Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details school of humans as you guys know from the many episodes i dedicated to him um well two 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 episodes i'm a big stan of governor morris the founding father and it was his story that actually got me to start the show i wanted to do a show that was just about him but they're like how about you just do a show every week about different people and i was like fine i'll take what i can get But I really respected him because I was like, damn, this man, he knows how to flirt. He knows how to make a lady feel good about herself. And also, historically speaking, on the record, it seemed that he knew how to make a woman come, a.k.a. we shared in mutual pleasure. A wooga. And this, I don't really think this is fuckboy behavior. No, I think Governor Morris was just a man who respected women, enjoyed their company, sought their advice for social and political reasons, and seemed to really be open to the idea of love and caring about people. And the thing is, yeah, we don't necessarily have the accounts of the copious ladies that he slept with, but I trust him. I do. Governor Morris, I'm giving him like a 9 out of 10. You know, I'm very pro him. If any Hollywood executive wants to make a prestige TV series about him, please let me know. Please let me be a part of it. I want to do it. I know exactly which Wikipedia pages for you to research. Clue. It's the one that's called Governor Morris. Um, Yes, I do have a degree in history from an Ivy League school, but I do not plan to use it for this podcast. So, yeah, I'm on board with Governor Morris. But in the meantime, there's plenty of other fellas who I don't really like at all based on what I've learned about them. Today, we're talking about the second most famous Garfield after a lasagna loving cat. He might even be like the fifth or sixth most famous Garfield. But his name, James Garfield the 20th president of the United States. But in his earlier life, Garfield, I do think he was a fuckboy, okay? Because my definition of a fuckboy today is a man who leads women on and then treats them like shit because he claims he's too emotionally messed up to do anything too serious, okay? And for Garfield, the reason he couldn't be too serious about people was because he loves Jesus, 
That's right. James Garfield, poor guy. He was living with these two conflicting things. On one hand, he was a devout Christian. But on the other hand, he was very horny and he was very horny specifically for hot, bad girls, which I feel like led him to a lot of sexual dysfunction and made a lot of women feel bad about themselves. And all the while he was doing that, he was also engaged and then married to another woman who he wasn't attracted to. So buckle up, filth heads. This is the story of James Garfield's guilt-filled sexcapades. This is American Filth, and I'm your host, Gabby Watts. Every week I tell you a filthy story from American history. This week's episode, Christ Boy Cheater. Born in 1831, James Garfield grew up in a log cabin in Ohio, fatherless and very poor. Historians like to say that he was the last president to grow up in a log cabin, aka all the succeeding presidents were bourgeois pigs. Garfield was a very religious teen. At first, he seemed that he was just going to church because his mama wanted him to. But then he had a religious awakening. It was like, yes, God and Jesus and church are Nito Burrito. I am into it. I don't know if they had burritos back then, so he probably didn't say that. But he was into God. But unfortunately for his religious fervor, he was also horned up and ready to go. When he was 16, he left home, got a job, started working, driving mules. We were then pulling the flat boats down the Ohio canals. Visualize that. I don't really know what that is. During that time, he was just like really awkward. He was this Jesus freak boy working with all these whiskey guzzling older men who would often visit the brothels after work, a.k.a. they were sinners. But Whittle Garfield, well, he too was wooed to the brothel. One time, one of his co-workers was like, come on, Jimmy, let's go to the house of ill repute. And Garfield was like, okay, fine, I'll come. And that he did a lot, but probably quickly because he was young. After that experience of going to the brothel, he was filled with guilt. Oh God, I've fallen to temptation. But despite that, he went again and again. Later, he wrote... At that time, I was ripe for ruin and an active and willing servant of sin. Same, bro. Well, he would continue being a willing servant of sin. Garfield was a bright kid, so he was able to go to Geauga Seminary when he was 17 years old. And while he was at school, one of his hobbies was figuring out how to stop thinking about sex all the time. He kept reading all these Christian self-help books that would instruct the reader how not to fall prey to sinful vices like having sex and masturbation. According to these books, masturbators would just walk around barely there with wild yet vacant eyes. It would turn you into a zombie. The Walking Dead is actually about a bunch of people who masturbated too much. Garfield would also look through the Bible looking for passages about homosexuality, which he also believed that was a great sin. And then he thought that if you masturbated too much, that could turn you homosexual. Because, fellas, think about it. 
if you touch your own dick too much, one day you might be touching it, accidentally slip, and then start touching another guy's dick. Makes sense. Anyway, Garfield was really moody and had really bad mental health because he was trying so hard not to want to have sex or touch his dick, ergo become a homosexual. But at the same time, he could not overcome his feelings. And it's this guilt that made him a big old piece of dumpster fire to the women in his life, of which there were many. When he was at Giaga, he was also teaching, and one of his pupils caught his eye. And don't worry, they're like the same age, so it's not creepy. But still, it was inappropriate because, you know, teacher-student relationship. Her name was Mary Hubble, and she was flirtatious and beautiful and uninhibited, a.k.a. a woman with power, a.k.a. someone to be feared. And Mary and Garfield had an intimate relationship. When he was sick, for example, he stayed with her family and they nursed him back to health. And historians assume from his letters and diary that when Mary's family wasn't there, she and Garfield did the nasty. Everyone at Giaga assumed they were engaged. Even Mary assumed they'd be getting married soon. But then one day out of the blue, Garfield decided to stop seeing her. Supposedly, his guilt and shame about having sex with her before marriage was too much to handle. He's like, I'm a sinner, I'm a bad man! And I've tainted the relationship with my sins. Also, she's a sinner, too. People got really mad at Garfield about dumping Mary. One person was like, you are literally always together. Why are you doing this? And it was a very dismal affair. Garfield got all depressed. So did Mary. And after the relationship ended, she dropped out of school. Wow, nothing's better than a man who doesn't know how to handle his self-loathing. But this was the pattern. Garfield was like, sex is bad. I can't control myself, so I have sex and feel really bad. And maybe this cycle of unhealthy thoughts is what led to his complicated four-year engagement to a woman named Lucretia Rudolph, who everyone just called Crete. Garfield had also met her... Crete at Giaga. Afterwards, he went to another seminary, Western Reserve Eclectic Institute in Hiram, Ohio. He was there from 1851 to 1854. Lucretia also attended Western Eclectic. Her father was actually one of the founders of the school. Garfield worked as a janitor and was always up late studying hard, like boner hard. And he was super smart still and ended up at the top of his class. And it's just like Garfield seems to have a type, like he only liked women who were zesty, flirtatious, powerful, a bad girl type, and Mary had fit that description. But Crete, she wasn't that at all. She was really serious, really smart. She and Garfield shared similar academic interests. She was one of the top students as well, and she edited the school magazine. She was also a big old feminist. She would host debates and be like, hey look, women should also be able to argue in public. But Garfield never actually seemed to be attracted to Crete. He described her as an asexual wallflower and also said, There is no delirium or passion nor overwhelming power of feeling that draws me to her irresistibly. Keep in mind, he's going to marry her at some point. But honestly, Garfield wasn't the whole package either. Like, sure, he was six feet tall, had these sparkling blue eyes, but he was also really clumsy and awkward as hell. 
And by clumsy, they might have just said that because he was left-handed, which is, you know, so clumsy of him. But one person described him as this. They said he was a tall, strong man, full of animal spirits, but dreadfully awkward. He used to run out on the green almost every day and play cricket with us. Every now and then, he would get hit on the nose, and he muffed his ball and lost his hat as a regular thing. Embarrassing. And here's a thought. Here's a theory. Maybe because Garfield had no sexual feelings towards Crete. Maybe that's why he felt like it was right to be with her. Because he didn't get any of those icky boners around her. God's plan. The only thing he wanted to bang about her was her mind. Even though they'd known each other for a few years, Crete and Garfield didn't start courting until 1853. But even those early conversations weren't, like, sexy or anything. They mostly just talked about their thoughts and their education and shit like that. In 1854, Garfield went to another seminary, this time Williams College in Massachusetts. He and Crete kept writing, and then he wrote in his diary, we love each other and have declared it. So technically, at that point, they were engaged. But the lack of romance between the two of them was evident, even to themselves. They were both like, we should find a way to spice up our engagement. So they tried to send romantic stuff to each other, but it fell flat. And when Garfield came back to Western Eclectic during a school break, he wrote this in his diary. When I returned to Ohio four weeks ago and hurried away full of the brightest hope and the most joyous anticipations to see Crete, there came over me, I cannot tell why, the most dark and gloomy cloud, and has deepened and thickened until the present moment. It seems as though all my former fears were well-founded, and that she and I are not like each other in enough respects to make us happy together. And the thing is, at this point, I feel like a more mature person who isn't consumed by self-loathing would be like, hey, maybe we should break up, but not Garfield. Instead, he did some real fuckboy shit. Like another time when he came back to Hiram, he avoided seeing Crete for an entire month, even though it was a teeny tiny little place. And finally, she was like, what the fuck is up, dude? We're technically engaged. Why won't you talk to me? So eventually they met up and she showed him all these diary entries she had written that were just like, oh my God, I love you. I'm sad we're not hanging out. What's wrong with you? But despite these entries, passion still didn't spark between them. Crete concluded that Garfield must be unable to be romantic. But really, he was just unable to be hot and heavy with her. Because within the year that they had started their engagement, Garfield was prowling around, lusting after other women. Specifically, a woman named Rebecca Selick. BRB. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. James Garfield met Rebecca Selleck while studying at Williams College in December 1855. Rebecca was Becky with the good hair for sure. Everyone called her Rancy, by the way. Like, not only was she a flirty gal, she was also very hot and a bit of a bad girl. You know, well, probably like bad for seminary school. Exactly Garfield's type. Garfield was immediately attracted to her charm and the fact that she had a lot in common as him. She liked reading the same books as him. Like, probably not the ones about how to avoid masturbating and becoming a homosexual, but like his other literary interests. Probably like trains or something. And it seems that indeed they consummated their relationship, aka they fucked. And don't we know Garfield? Once he fucks, he gets all guilty and then he gets all emotional. And Ramsey seemed to feel very deeply for him. Maybe she was even in love with him. But Garfield soon discovered that Rancy was actually deceiving him. She was, in fact, not into the same books as him. Heaven forbid. She was only pretending so that they could hang out. When Garfield graduated from Williams College in Massachusetts in 1856, Crete came to visit him and attended the ceremony. At this point in their relationship, she had assumed that once he graduated, they'd probably get married. So she had quit her teaching job to prepare for the life of a wife sitting around and serving your husband. But during the graduation, the most awkward thing happened. She actually met Rancy, and Crete was pissed. She knew something was up. She's like, oh, she's just your friend? Unfucking believable Garfield admitted that he'd been having a romantic relationship with Rancy. And Cree was like, clearly, I am wrong about Garfield. It's not that he's unable to be romantic. He's unable to be romantic with me. But Crete still didn't break it off then and headed back to Ohio. After he graduated, Garfield also went back to Ohio, to Western Eclectic, to teach. He was so smart, 
and such a good teacher that within a year, he actually became the principal of the school. But despite his successes, he was all gloomy and doomy. He was in a big pickle. He's got too many ladies. He has Rancy. But she isn't as intellectual as he thought, but she's a hottie. And then he has Crete, who's, well, she's intellectual, but he feels nothing for her. But also, she's his fiance. So what is it? Brains versus the tits. He can't have it all. Like, it does seem that Garfield was leaning more towards Rancy at the time. Like, he wanted to be engaged to her, maybe. But he also didn't want to mess up his obligations to Crete, because remember, he's a good Christian boy. But Crete, she wasn't as forgiving. Even though Garfield was back in Hiram, he had been ignoring her. And she found this very embarrassing. And what was even more embarrassing is that Garfield never wanted Crete to visit him while he was at Williams. But he asked Rancy if she wanted to visit him back in Hiram almost immediately. So in 1856, Crete's like, I've had enough, and broke off the engagement. Girl boss. Later, she moved to Cleveland, Ohio, for another teaching job, because good riddance to lowlife Garfield, leading her on for years and then just fucking other ladies. She wrote, I strive to forget the past and have no thought of the future. She even was like, I'm over it. She said, you no longer turned coldly away and chilled my heart to ice. Nothing ever seemed more real, and all day long I have been so unspeakably happy. Clearly she's so over it. She's so over it. Yeah, that's why she kept writing to Garfield, and then also that's why she was super upset to hear that he was really sad. Yeah, Garfield was in one of his moods after Crete broke off the engagement, so Crete wrote to him, I've been hearing you're really sad. Why don't you just go back to Rancy? Sure, your affair was, quote, the keenest dagger to my heart, unquote. But clearly you like her, so go marry her. If, quote, you love her better, if she can satisfy the wants of your nature better. And then as a little aside, she was like, quote, to be an unloved wife, oh heavens, I cannot endure it. But Garfield, ugh, he's being so emo about it. He's just like, oh my god, I fucked up. I'm not the golden child of God. But despite that, you know, he still went and visited Rancy, who had gone to live in New York. Meanwhile, Crete's having a gay old time in Cleveland, just hanging out with her roommate, taking art classes, and going to the theater. Just being two single ladies about the town. But the thing is that now that Garfield ran Western Eclectic, his behavior was under a lot of scrutiny. Particularly because, remember, Crete's dad was one of the founders of the school, and then he sat on the board. And he was like, clearly Garfield is having sex, is not married, and is also cheating on my daughter. It sounds like we better pay Garfield a visit so he stops fucking around. So that's what happens. They go and visit Garfield. What was said at that visit? Who knows? Maybe they threatened him with violence. Maybe with God's wrath. Maybe they were like, you're going to become a homosexual. Whatever it was. But after the meeting, Garfield was like, shit, I got to marry Crete. So he proposed to her again which probably made her feel sad because clearly Garfield was only marrying her because of duty and probably because her daddy told him to do that. But whatever, she agreed. And James Garfield and Lucretia Rudolph married on November 11th, 1858 at ages 27 and 26 years old. They were like, well, maybe if we actually get married, we'll like each other. But the thing is, they didn't get married in a church because Garfield was like, I don't deserve to say my vows in front of God because I've been a bad boy with a bad heart. In Crete, she said this. This was so sad. She wrote, quote, There are hours when my heart almost breaks with the cruel thought that our marriage is based upon the cold, stern word 
of duty. So yeah, they got married and it goes well. Just kidding. (laughs) More cheating after the break. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Once matrimony was upon James, Mr. and Mrs. James Garfield. I hate when they do that. I'm like, why can't she just still have an identity? Um, <laughs> Once Garfield and Crete were married, you'd think that maybe Garfield would make more of an effort to be attracted to his asexual wallflower and stop mucking about with other ladies. But no, he doesn't do that. In fact, they're super unhappy. And for the first seven years of their marriage, They hardly spend six weeks together. The first sign of some cheating activities is that they moved into an apartment in Hiram. And that apartment was right next to this woman named Almeida Booth. Almeida was another hottie who Garfield had feelings for, but this was back in like 1851. And luckily for Garfield and his thirstiness, she had moved away. But the same year that Crete and Garfield marry in Hiram, look who came back. Miss Booth herself. But it is very sus to everyone that Garfield's apartment was literally next door to her. Like, Hiram is small. Everyone knew where everyone else was living. 
Garfield, maybe you shouldn't live next to your former crush. Also, the extra sus thing was that the only reason Almeida was back in Hiram was because of Garfield. He was the head of the school, and he had just hired her, right after her lover had just died. If you want to cheat on your wife with someone, maybe you wouldn't want the person you're cheating with to be right next door. Like, literally, their bedrooms could share a wall. Like, I mean, Garfield could just be, like, really stupid. I don't know. That's probably, like, that's my opinion on him, <laughs> if you can't tell. Yeah, Garfield was really bored at work and didn't want to be around Crete that much, so he started getting into politics. He ran for Ohio State Senate in 1859 and got elected. Crete was pregnant at the time, so we know they fucked at least once. And some historians think that they also banged before they got married, which might account for all the euphemisms about lack of passion in their letters. But blah, 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 whatever. Ye old civil war is brewing. And in August 1861, Garfield went off to serve. During the war, he got seriously ill, maybe had malaria, so he was allowed to go home. Garfield and Crete hadn't seen each other this whole time for like two years. And while he was ill, Crete nursed him back to health. And he was like, huh, maybe you are a worthy person to love. But then he went back to war. Crete went back to being a teacher. He and Crete would still write back and forth, even though very tensely. And then he said something absolutely preposterous to her. He was like, hey, I'm not going to come back for Christmas. I'm actually going to go to New York to see Rancy. Wow, what a huge dick. But then he felt so bad about it that he did come home after Christmas and he and Crete conceived a second child. So again, now they've maybe banged at least two or three times. Garfield started getting even more politically ambitious. He was elected to the House of Representatives in 1863. And then a really sad thing happens. Later that year, Ian Crete's three-year-old daughter, Trot, died, putting them through severe emotional stress. And then, in December 1864, rumors started circulating again that Garfield, well, he's been cheating. This time with a reporter from the New York Tribune, Lucia Gilbert Calhoun. And not only that, they probably started their affair when she was around 18 and married. Finally, after lots of emotional turmoil and after the end of the Civil War, Garfield talked to Crete and he was like, I feel really bad about all these affairs. Crete, I want to tell you the truth. So he told her about Lucia. He told her that he was still seeing Rancy. And he also was banging Almeida Booth. And somehow Crete forgave him. But she was like, hey, if you want me to actually forgive you, you better stop fucking around or I'm going to get a divorce from you. So go into your affairs with all these ladies and please get your love letters to them and burn them. That will be a great symbolic gesture, but also probably will be good for the political side because you don't want people to have evidence that you're a big old cheater, you stupid idiot. So it's kind of starting to simmer down, okay? It seems that Garfield and Creed are having a much more civil relationship after this. In a letter, Garfield said, We no longer love because we ought to, but because we do. He also wrote to her, Were I now alone and with an unwedded hand and heart, but knowing your nature as I know it, I would woo only you and use all the powers of honor and effort to win you and make you mine. He called her his precious darling and prayed that God would let us die together when we die, that neither of us might be left in the empty world for a single hour. 
But psych, uh, it does seem that he ended his affairs with most people, but it does seem that maybe he kept going with Rancy. <laughs> like, he went to go see her in 1868. Creed was like, please don't. And then Garfield was like, I can't help it. This relationship is so stressful. I would dump his ass immediately. I mean, I wouldn't. Like, I would definitely do what Creed's doing because I'm a stupid bitch. But still, God, men, men sometimes. In 1869, Garfield and Crete and their kids moved to Washington, D.C. They also keep their house in Ohio. At this point, when they move, they have three living children. And Crete seemed to really like the political side of her life now, but she didn't like being a mother in D.C. She was a smart lady and had to spend all of her time tending to the children. So boring. She wrote, quote, It is horrible to be a man. But the grinding misery of being a woman between the upper and nether millstone of household cares and training children is almost as bad. To be half-civilized with some aspirations for enlightenment and obliged to spend the largest part of the time the victim of young barbarians keeps one in perpetual ferment. I want to be a mom. Through the 1870s, Garfield and Crete's relationship did seem to improve a lot. They both loved to read, nerds, and joined the Burns Literary Society, and they'd have parties and talk about all sorts of intellectual things, like how they hated slavery. Garfield became the candidate for president in 1880, and it kind of seems that that decision was mostly made because the Republican Party couldn't decide on anyone else. Like, he wasn't that notable of a person, but then he was the presidential candidate. Instead of touring around and soliciting votes at that point, Garfield did a porch campaign, so a bunch of people would be coming to his house in Ohio to hear him talk. During the campaign, Crete tried really hard not to get photographed or really talk too much about their relationship. Because, you know, if they started probing too hard, some things might come out. And she was probably like, oh my god, I'm so smart about him getting rid of those letters. Ugh. The only thing that really came against Garfield during the campaign was that there was a rumor that he had visited a brothel in New Orleans. These rumors were never substantiated, but still, I mean, not like too unbelievable. And wowie wowie, he actually, he won the election. Wow, he became the president. And he was the president for all of six months. Because Garfield gets shot. That's right, you guys know about that. Garfield actually died in 1881. Spoilers. And after his death, Crete never remarried, even though she lived until 1918. In conclusion, 20th President James Garfield is my personal enemy. That being said, he does end up dying horrifically, and a lot of people are saying he didn't actually die from a bullet wound, but he died from some real incompetent doctors. That's on the next American Filth, guys. Uh, but the lesson I think we can learn from this episode is that if dudes be cheating, they stay cheating, okay? Watch out for them. Stay filthy, you filth heads. American Filth is a production of School of Humans and iHeart Podcast. This episode was written, sound designed, and hosted by me, Gabby Watts. Our theme song is by me and Jesse Nyeswanger. Amelia Brock is our senior producer, and our executive producers are Virginia Prescott, Elsie Crowley, and Brandon Barr. Please like, review, subscribe, etc. to American Filth wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow along with the podcast on Instagram at American Filth Pod. Bye. Thank you.
School of Humans. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 